0: I'm sitting in my office when an overpowering smell of burnt food fills the room. That's funny, I think. I look out of the window and I see it. My next door neighbour has had an extractor fan fitted and the smells are getting trapped in the airlock between our houses and dissipating directly into my office window. That's it, I say out loud. I march next door and ask him to move his extractor fan. He says he can't talk now because he's burnt the dinner. I say, I know he's burnt the dinner. I'll think about it, he says, and leaves. I am stunned. The words, I'll think about it, whirl around my head. And then in my head, something happens. In my head, he's still standing there. You'll think about it, I say in my head. Yeah he says in my head. I'll let you know my decision when I see fit. Well, perhaps you'd like to think about this, I yell in my head. I lunge at him. Then in my head, the police arrive and arrest me. Then I'm in a cell, yelling through the slit. I didn't start it. And in real life, I can't believe the injustice of it all. And I become so startled by the way my thoughts spiralled irrationally into mayhem that in real life I take my next-door neighbour a bottle of whiskey, and tell him I don't want to fight with him. He looks confused and says thanks.
1: Irrational thought seems like a very kind of gentle... It doesn't seem like mental instability or kind of a psychotic paranoia. It seems like madness light. It's a kind of hinterland, really.
0: This is the actor, Jessica Stevenson. She was worried that people might have said to us, you're making a programme about irrational thought, ask Jessica Stevenson. Everyone knows she's engulfed by it. But she was just being paranoid. Nobody had said that to us about her. Anyway, she's no more engulfed than anyone else, as far as I can see.
1: There was a particular friend that my boyfriend, my then boyfriend, now husband, had, and she was I thought everything that he was bound to find really attractive you know she was clever and funny and and i kind of started to wonder and imagine that there was something growing between them i mean apart from the fact that there was proximity and that they worked in the same restaurant which i didn't work i worked in a different branch but um i would often find myself there (laughs) during the lunch hour just come hi to find them you know enthusiastically laughing or <laughs> playfully flicking water um, my thoughts just became increasingly irrational
0: did you start to imagine things that just went I imagined, through?
1: yeah I imagined that they were secretly falling in love and that, <laughs> and that maybe they, they found a corner in the staff room and are beginning a kind of intimate relationship
0: In Jessica's mind something happened, a whole lifetime for her boyfriend and the woman who worked in the restaurant with him landed, fully formed, into her imagination. Did you give them trips out? out? Did
1: I see them walking along the beach, eating ice cream, (laughs) having to go on the trampolines, um, really understanding each other. I'm living in a loft house. (laughs) at one point.
0: Like the Manhattan Loft. The Manhattan
1: Loft, that's right, yeah. yeah. With some retro, kind of quite kitsch, maybe found furniture littering the apartment. Maybe sexual positions. You know, I'm sure that kind of jealousy forces you to be more experimental in bed because you're gripped with this desire to make sure that everything he could possibly have wanted to do, he'll do with you before anyone else. But I suppose jealousy's part of being... In a relationship, or kind of mild versions of it, I don't know. Is sort of hel- is is probably healthy, isn't it? Mm. Isn't it? Well,
0: I, I was just yes. thinking, I, I can't, I couldn't possibly conceive of 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 a new sexual position. <laughs> I just have no imagination in that department at all. I remember somebody once saying to me, you know, I've been going out with this girl, she does everything. <laughs> No, what and, does that mean? and what does that mean? The only thing I could imagine was that she could somehow unzip <laughs> herself and kind of just turn <laughs> herself inside out.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But other yeah. than that, yeah, I'm, I'm with you.
3: Yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean, I did eventually have to say something. And he sort of said, that that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And of course, nothing's happening, which was quite true. You know but then <laughs> years later i was because i have been with the same man since then during all that time i did i brought it up again <laughs> and did say do you remember you know so and so and and do you remember that and he said oh yeah and you were really just i said i know i know you know wasn't it funny and wasn't it silly and then he said do you know what you know i reckon if i'd tried she would have let me <laughs> so, so he, basically so did
2: really
0: fancy yes! it. So it's entirely rational. So, I...
1: would Yeah, effectively. Mm.
0: If I'd tried, she would have let me. I like that. <laughs> Jessica Stevenson. The comedian Danny Robbins has begun to realise that he has irrational thoughts more often than he has rational ones. He says it's basically taking over his life.
4: So I feel a bit embarrassed telling you about this, but I have a special ritual for how I brush my teeth. At the end, when, when I'm sort of cleaning out all the toothpaste, I have to take three mouthfuls of water and spit them out, and then four mouthfuls of water and take them in. And I have to do that, or I think bad things will happen. And considering I brush my teeth three times a day, this is quite a big one, but today I'm not going to do that. I'm going to brush my teeth and just spit out once. Just... These are the sort of fragile threads that hold my life together. Okay, here just one spit out there. Go, it doesn't, doesn't feel right. just getting dressed now and I'm going to put on a T-shirt that used to be my good luck T-shirt and then it became my bad luck T-shirt when I wore it on a day when lots of bad things happened. So that should really mess with my luck today. I've got so many different things that just control my life, really. It's, it's, it's crazy. I always have to switch off all the electrical appliances when I leave the house and check the oven, even if I've been using the oven. I look out the window and I see a magpie by itself. That freaks me out. Just a ridiculous number of things. I'm on the train now, on my way to meet Steve Roud, who wrote The Penguin Guide to the Superstitions of Britain and Ireland. He's managed to fit me in, even though Friday the 13th is a very busy day for him. Hopefully, fingers crossed, he's going to explain to me where some of my superstitions come from. Hi, hi, Steve, I'm Danny. Hello, hello, good to meet you. Is there any rational basis for some superstitions? I mean, a solitary magpie, is there any reason why I should be scared of a a single magpie?
3: No, (laughs) definitely not. One of the definitions of superstition is that it is irrational. If it was rational, it would be science.
4: If it's in my head, then it kind of seems okay. But as soon as other people start noticing these things, then then I start to feel crazy. I've got this thing about not walking on three drains together just because my friend Sarah once told me you shouldn't do that. And I've got it in my head and I shouldn't do it. And so I do crazy things. I bump into people in the street instead of walking down the pavement to avoid the drain.
3: Well, there there comes a point where it becomes obsessive behaviour, so do be careful.
4: Are superstitions as old as life itself? Have we had superstitions ever since time began?
3: Presumably we have, we don't know, but the superstitions that we know now, like ladders and salt and breaking mirrors, really aren't as old as we think they are. Friday the 13th is a Victorian invention. Nobody was scared of Friday the 13th before about 1880, but we like to think of it as an ancient thing.
4: One thing I'm going to do today in my confronting superstition mode is to have 13 of my friends round for dinner at my house. Something I've never attempted to do before, partly because I only have six plates and six knives and forks. Do you think that's a good thing for me
3: to do today, to confront these superstitions? I think it's an excellent idea. (laughs) As long as nothing fatal happens, I think it's a good idea. You're not the first person to do this. In the late 19th century, there were 13 clubs. There was one in London, there was one in New York, of people who were strict rationalists, who said, this is all nonsense, so we're going to have a 13 club, and we will always have 13 at dinner, and we will always break a mirror, spill the salt so they broke mirrors in these 13 clubs? Oh, yes, yes. They would do everything that a superstitious person wouldn't do just to prove that it was okay.
5: This is not a dream, that freedom ride. Welcome to the Sound the sound
0: Robbins, who will rejoin in a few minutes as he hosts his 13-club dinner. He says his craziness seems normal to him when he's alone. And like most people, he's alone more than he used to be because of the hours he spends on the Internet. All around the world, there are people who believe their social lives are as buoyant as ever, but in fact, they're just sitting alone, posting messages on Internet talk boards, creating for themselves the illusion of social activity. It's like we've become a society of feral children, raised by wolves, emerging out into the world to get coffee and then scuttling home to discuss it on talk boards. This is Emma. She's a talk board moderator. As the moderator, the talk board's policewoman, Emma can see things that the users cannot. Do you get people pretending to be other people?
2: All the time. For example, there's a whole crossword section and there'll be somebody who comes on and at one point we discovered he had 11 different identities.
0: So what he logged on is 11 different people?
2: Yeah, which they're not allowed to. They're only allowed to go on as one person. I mean, a particular talk ID he had was Hello Sailor and then he'd come on as Zilla and he'd actually be complaining about Hello Sailor saying, oh, isn't he awful? He's always derailing everything.
0: But he was also Hello Sailor?
2: yeah. Would he ever
0: agree with himself?
2: Not that particular point, but I've seen somebody do that, say that they do agree with themselves, and that tends to be on the more political threads.
0: So let me get this clear. You've you've got somebody in a discussion about the Middle East will go on and say something completely outrageous, and then will switch identity and say, that person is absolutely right. Yeah. And then switch identity again and say, I couldn't agree more.
2: Definitely. For example, say, if it was the Middle East, I mean, I'm here on the West Bank, it's awful, you've got no idea. And I can see that they're actually, you know, posting in Dagenham. So, huh. But people do start to ask questions, like, you know, what's the weather like in
0: Gaza? Yeah.
2: So, <laughs> and,
0: and do they go back and say it's,
2: They try to maintain well, sunny, it. Well, right? <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, Yes, yeah, so I suppose it's not that hard for them to pretend. But, yeah, you will see that, definitely. And there's somebody else who used to pretend to be in America, and I could see that he wasn't, and pretend to be a boxer. So he used to pretend to be like a boxer from Alabama, and he wasn't. He's again, I can see that he's in Milton Keynes or Hemel Hempstead. Is
0: because they're alone, uh, and when you're alone, you can, you can do this because they're alone, posting away into the night.
2: I think it must have something to do with that. Yes.
0: You know, um, we've met before, and you told me some of these stories, particularly about the, uh, the people who have multiple identities,
6: mm.
0: and I thought that's just so nuts. And then that night, I was in the pub, and I was telling a few people, just nice, normal, sort of young hippie-type people, you know that story. Yeah. And one of them went a bit quiet and said, "Yeah, I've done that."
2: <laughs> so it's more common than
0: presumably, than yeah. Perhaps people think. Yeah. And I was telling three people, and one of them immediately said that they did it.
2: Uh-huh.
0: So it's at least thirty-three percent of the population do it. <laughs> At least.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think it's... I can see how it could be uh, tempting, because you never having to be yourself.
4: Hello. Hello, hello. welcome. Hello. <laughs> back. Back. Right. <laughs> um, Mike, Ben, red, Richard, Ben, or took- <laughs> Sylvie. So uh, Club of Thirteen, Thirteen Club, I'm now going to attempt to confront my superstitions now we've had our pizza. I'm going to confront them in the sort of order of frighteningness, so the least frightening first. You're probably going to laugh at this, but the singer Don McLean, his song American Pie, the line in it that goes, singing this'll be the day that I die, I have to add the words, hopefully not, at the end of it. (laughs) So I'm now going to attempt to tackle this. I'm going to play American Pie.
0: So bye-bye, Miss American
1: Pie,
6: Singing, this'll be the day that I die <laughs> It just, oh, I it feels like tempting fate.
4: So the next one is putting up an umbrella. Got an umbrella This is a pretty serious one I would never ever put an umbrella up indoors normally I don't know if I can do this or not. Here we go.
6: <laughs>
4: oh dear, I'm feeling a little bit freaked out. So this is it. This is the final of my biggest superstitions. This is breaking a mirror, and I've got I've got a mirror here, and I've got a mirror, and, um, got, a mirror and um, got a mirror and a hammer, and <laughs> I, um, It's um it costs one pound seventy five from a chemist's. It's got a very nice leopard print thing on the back, but this is the final moment where, really, if I'm embracing and confronting all my superstitions, I I should do this now, I should just smash the mirror with the hammer. And there's no way I can do it at all.
1: I think you should do it. Do it! Uh, (laughs) Don't, don't, don't.
4: Opening an umbrella, not saying hopefully not, after Don McLean's song, all those things can be counteracted, but I just feel like the breaking the mirror is a step too far. It's just tempting fate too much, it's allowing bad things in. I can't do it and I won't let anyone else do it. I'm going to put the mirror and the hammer away. I'm calling off the club of 13. (laughs) It's it's, it's gone too far. John Ronson, I'm sorry, but I've I've failed you. I cannot confront my final superstition.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Danny
0: Robbins, a man who brings irrationality into the world and I wondered what it was like to be the recipient of irrationality, And so I asked the magician, Darren
5: Brown. We live in a fairly godless age from a traditional sort of religious viewpoint, yet we see very clearly how the moment you take a kind of big, classic, authoritarian god out of the picture, you get a hundred little gods all coming up in various guises.
0: Now, you must have some very extreme reactions from people who who really believe
5: in you. Mm. Do you get that? Oh, yes. Yes, some of them very unpleasant. But, um, Give me some examples of how unpleasant it can get. Well, some of it's very unpleasant. Uh, I've had letters from people who are you know, literally dying, saying I'm their only hope. That, you know, we family, we can probably get about £300 together. That you are our only hope. You know, we've watched all your programmes and... Uh, horrible things like that. And that's not just every now and then, that's a lot. And what do you what do you write back? Well, the joys of having a manager is that I can come up with a sort of a fairly sensitive but generic answer. The first whiff of it I got when I was just doing close up magic, getting a, a phone call from someone I'd spoken to and given my card to and literally this is me doing card tricks. I mean there's no whiff of the paranormal calling me up and saying, Look, my husband's just been made redundant Well you know, just a, a, a long sad story. I really need to win the lottery. Is this something you can do? I don't mind. I can cut the money with you. We can split it. I mean, just just bizarre, you know, but so tragic. And from a relatively normal sort of person, she'd been in quite a, a nice restaurant with friends of hers and, you know, that was a kind of an odd thing. That, to the other extreme of someone who thinks that I raped her under hypnosis a few years ago and has been putting flyers through the door of where I lived in my old place before I came to London and is absolutely obsessed by it and is presumably, you know, had a memory of this, inverted commas, has come out of therapy and is utterly convinced I've done this and it's having a terrible effect on my life and that's a really weird thing to have to Mm -hmm. deal with. But you probably know more than
0: most people because you know how tricks are done, that there's nothing out there, that it's just a kind
5: of hollow nothingness. Uh, well, I don't know. Is it a hole in nothingness? Because when you when you die, there's not even nothingness. It just ends so... Uh, that's, that's even worse. The only well, trick I could worse. do is this one with the thumb. That's very good. It do you know Houdini showed that trick in the back of a cab to Lady Conan Doyle, mm-hmm. wife of Arthur Conan Doyle, who was a prominent spiritualist at the time, and Lady Conan Doyle was a medium, and she fainted. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, the section it looks like the top of yeah, your thumb is
0: detached. Down Brown. I'm on a train to Canterbury with the ghost hunter David V. Like millions of people, David believes in ghosts. With us on the train is a noted skeptic called Dr. Richard Wiseman like millions of people richard doesn't believe in ghosts these are two people whose rational thought processes have led each to believe that the other is nuts the next voice you'll hear is producer simon jacobs who's chosen the haunted house we are now hurtling towards
6: going down to canterbury to a house called ellerslie which is a sort of classic gothic Victorian building to meet someone called Andy Reynolds and this is apparently a very haunted house. He's had investigations going on there with people sitting in a room in the tower at the top of the house and asking the question, do you mind us being here? And they've recorded a voice on the tape saying, yes, I do. Did the ghost say, do you mind us being here? Yeah. So they then asked how many people are here and they got nine taps in the room. If the ghosts had said, do you mind us being
0: here, why then did the ghost decide to tap nine times rather than just
6: say nine? Well, the ghost clearly couldn't speak and therefore had to tap to indicate that... But, uh,
0: but you said that the ghost previously had said, do you mind us being here? The, the ghost, the, ghost the person? The ghost
6: said that. OK. That's incredibly confusing. So the
0: ghost said, yes, I do.
7: Sorry, I think you got a bit confused. But didn't say, say nine. You thought that the ghost said... Yeah. Do you mind us being here? So, so a person said, "Do you mind us being here?" The ghost said, "Yes, I do." Then they asked a question, but the ghost tapped out an answer rather than replied. Exactly. Yes. Okay. As that
0: anecdote went on, it got worse. I found a home, okay. So we're here.
6: Hello, are you Andy? Oh,
0: I am Andy. Andy, hi.
7: <laughs>
0: this
3: is Richard,
7: Hello. that's David, and I'm... Hello. Nice to I meet you. OK, where would you like to start?
0: We'll, OK, we'll look around. Don't tell us which are the haunted rooms. When the tape recorder wasn't on, Simon the producer, who is, you know, overly credulous in my mm-hmm. mind, yes. um, said that he felt <laughs> um, felt, what, a low hum and a chill.
6: Well, it may okay. just be my imagination running but, wild, but I did seem to feel some kind of hum on the tape. I'll have to listen to it back later, and it did make me shiver.
7: I wonder if that could be infrasound. Do
6: you think? Or you're, you're just losing it.
0: But you seemed really freaked out. You, you admitted it to us you know, when the tape was off, because obviously you were embarrassed, and what you wanted was some sort of calmingness.
6: And I can tell you, I was quite reticent to even admit it. Because I thought it might provoke some ridicule. Absolutely
7: not. (laughs) Particularly from you.
6: So what was that kind of... Is
0: that what it was like?
6: A a bit like Like, that, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I tell you what I find interesting is that, you know, we, we brought along, you know, David, the ghost hunter, and Richard the sceptic, and in fact, David and Richard are completely united in, in, in rationality, and the one going just kind of lally <laughs> is you.
7: He's a rational person. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's come as a surprise to me. Okay, so you've had one seance in this room, if you can call it a seance, and it worked. So this room's had a 100% success record when it comes to dealing with the ghosts via tapping. So, David, would you you like to
7: uh, give it a try? Well, let's see if we can replicate this, then. Let's do everything that you did before. Let's ask a couple of simple questions. Uh, First of all, I'd like to ask if there's anyone that is among us, not necessarily human. Uh, Could you please give us a tap, one for yes or two for no? A Couple of taps there, but I think that's the equipment.
0: Can I just say, I heard no tap. Is it ever worth asking the same question two or three times in case the ghosts were down a corridor or something? And they're like heading back and they just miss the question
7: does that happen that does happen
0: okay well do you want to ask the question again
7: if there's anyone in this room please give us some sort of tap one for yes two for no nothing at the moment why did, but, you, uh, add, why did you add the two for no <laughs> David, David, has
0: something
7: to say. can I just ask you, have you got any candles burning? No. I can smell some sort of um, gothic candle smell. It's quite interesting in that that has actually been picked up on before. I, I smell it very, very strongly. Can I just say,
0: as a skeptic, I too can smell it. Maybe it's floor wax. No, no, no. none of the floors here—they're all carpeted. They're not waxed. Are you experiencing it now, Andy? No. I am, Richardie.
7: I, I'm not. I'm not. David he... is now sniffing
0: the carpet. I mean, I am smelling what exactly what David claims to be smelling. I mean, I, I'm I'm smelling it, too. Simon, are you smelling it? Are you smelling what David and I are smelling? I've got a cold, so I, I can't
6: really smell anything at the moment.
7: But That's, that's very strange, because I've got a cold, too, and I can smell it, and it's very, very strong. I have no cold, and I can just... I can smell it.
6: I have no cold. I can smell
7: nothing.
0: Richard, why do... David and I both smell something that the rest of you don't smell. I have absolutely no idea.
7: So I don't know. Either there's something there and you two are sensitive to it, mm. or again, the spectre of suggestibility raises its ugly head.
0: But I'm completely unsuggestible. I am so unsuggestible, you wouldn't believe. Mm. But I smelt that. I just assumed that everybody had smelt it because, you know, <coughs> I smelt it before David.
7: Even ghostly smells—that's manifestation of some form. So that is a ghost in its own right.
0: Although I should add, a kind of disappointing. Vague smell, smell of, of candle wax. I mean, it's not—it's <laughs> not good. It's not like earth shattering, is it? Let's face well, to it. me,
7: it is. It's—I've uh, scored one point there anyway. So.
0: Yeah, but it's a smell.
7: But it's better than nothing, isn't
0: so. it? Yeah, it's—it's it's, it's slightly better it's slightly than
2: better. nothing.
0: Idea whether ghosts exist, and in the absence of knowing, I have to decide who should I side with David the believer or Richard the enlightened rational free thinker.
7: Well, what's the evidence for ghosts? If it was overwhelming, there'd be no debate. We wouldn't be standing here going, Oh, do they exist? Is the house haunted? We'd all go, ghosts exist like cars do or uh, people do, whatever, because it's overwhelming evidence. I know what it is, but you guys don't. It's almost like me saying, Richard doesn't exist. You know, I know he does, but I could also believe in my mind he doesn't. I base
0: my decision on which one seems cooler. It's Richard, and together we subtly bully and belittle David because it seems cool. But, Richard, you you say all of that, but how does all that tally with David's assertion that he's been strangled twice in Preston um, in one night? (laughs) Um, That's not funny. No, no, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no I'm sorry. The so I'm a rationalist now, but I've arrived here in a wholly irrational
3: way. Mm, food for thought. John Ronson on Irrational Thoughts was written and presented by John Ronson. The producer was Simon Jacobs, and the programme was produced by Unique, the production company for BBC Radio 4. Next week, John will be confronting the subject of lying.